you know, don't feel like you have to do a deal or you're going to miss out, you know, or, or that this is a deal of a lifetime. And, a, you know, there's every day that there's a deal of a lifetime. Every day there's a slam dunk. I mean, there's deals out there in every market every day, you know, all, all along. So never put yourself in a position where you feel like you have to do a deal or you're going to miss out and you compromise your return thresholds and, you know, take risk unnecessarily. Welcome to Podcast for Patriots. I'm your host, Jim Fralick, and this is show number 12. I ain't rich, but I damn sure want to be. Working like a dog all day ain't working for me. I wish I had a rich uncle that'd kick the bucket, and I was sitting on a pile like Warren Buffett. I know everybody says money can't buy happiness. But it can buy me a boat. It can buy me a truck to pull. It can buy Our goal here with Podcast for Patriots is to educate, inspire, and assist military members and veterans in achieving financial wealth through real estate investing. Hello, fellow patriots. Welcome today. I am very excited and privileged to be interviewing Mr. Greg Dickerson. Greg is a serial entrepreneur, real estate developer, coach, and mentor. And by serial entrepreneur, I mean he started at least 12 companies from the ground up. And over 20 years, Greg has developed and sold over $250 million worth of real estate. You may have seen him or heard him on uh, Fox Business with Neil Cavuto or the Dave Ramsey Show or a myriad of other podcasts. Greg, do you have me five by? Hey, Jim. Thank you for uh, having me today. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, thank you for your service and everything you do. Thank you, sir. And I failed to mention, Greg is a Navy veteran, and he hails out of Charlottesville, Virginia, and he still does deals when he's not coaching and mentoring, uh, I would say, along uh, mid-Atlantic area in Virginia, North Carolina. I know you got your own content that you're putting out on uh, videos and audio, Greg, a wealth of uh, free educational stuff that people get from listening to you or watching you, buddy listening that really wants to uh, just have an awesome coach on their side or somebody that can really educate them to the ins and outs of anything related to real estate or business success in general. I encourage you to uh, contact Greg at gregdickerson.com. It's easy to get to as well. But Greg, I uh, gave a little overview of your background. I wonder if you can share a little bit with the listeners uh, how you got from high school to the Navy to being this uh, high-powered developer there in the mid-Atlantic. Over. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like you said, on my website, YouTube channel, all that, you know, I've done a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of my background there. So I'll keep it short and simple. You know, I am a natural born entrepreneur as a young kid. You know, I did whatever I could do. I'd knock on doors, rake leaves, cut grass. I would just knock on your door. Hey, Jim, my name's Greg. I live down the street. I need to make some money. Is there anything I can do for you? I mean, that's just, that's just how I'm wired. I'd wash your car. I'd, you know, whatever you needed done, clean your house out, clean your garage out. It didn't matter. You know, five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. So I started at a young age doing that. I did some door to door sales. I did some telephone sales, worked in grocery stores, restaurants. So I'm just a hard worker. I've always wanted to carve my own path. And, uh, you know, in high school, I was not a good student, didn't like school. And, uh, you know, so I was earmarked for the Navy. Every male in my family were all career military men. Uh, my grandfather was a Pearl Harbor survivor. My dad was 20 years, went and enlisted, came out a warrant officer in the Navy and, you know, made senior chief in like 10 years. So he, you know, he's very hard worker. You know, so I went in enlisted right at high school, did four years stationed in California, Long Beach. I was on the battleship, New Jersey, and, you know, worked a few jobs after the military. Always had a 
side business in construction, worked in restaurants. I did retail in the Navy. And uh, when I got out, you know, I embarked on my career. And like I said, I always had a little side business in construction while I was working in restaurants. And in 1997, I moved to the Outer Banks of North Carolina, where uh, those of you that were Air Force know that that's where flight originated. The Wright brothers took off there and killed Double Hills. And that's that's where I lived. It's a resort community off the coast of North Carolina. I'm a surfer, lifelong surfer, you know, growing up in California, Florida and Virginia. And then time in North Carolina. You know, I've been a surfer my whole life, so that's the best surf on the East Coast. And uh, that's why I moved there was to surf and open restaurants and fish. And, you know, I got tired of chasing the corporate thing and I wanted to do my own thing. And I don't know, I was late 20s. And, uh, you know, I had kind of an epiphany, a life change where I just I was tired of chasing the corporate thing and moving and relocating. And the only way to advance in the restaurant industry is to be relocatable, climb that corporate ladder. But, you know, at the end of the day, you make a hundred grand a year, you're working a hundred hours a week and they, they move you at the drop of a hat. And that's just, you know, I just didn't want that lifestyle. I wanted to call my own shots and just be there for my kids. I had a two-year-old and a five-year-old at the time, or three and five, I guess they were, when we moved to the Outer Banks. And like I said, I moved there to open a restaurant and I got into construction instead and started as a handyman remodeling contractor where there's a problem, there's an opportunity. I bought a house and I was trying to get some work done and nobody would call you back. So I started talking to people and they're like, oh man, it's so busy. And this is 1997, 98. They're like, everybody's so busy, they can't even return phone calls. And you know, I said, well, there's there's an opportunity to fill a hole. So I had some skills and I created this little remodeling handyman company, just me and my truck and tools. I did 250,000 my first year. Uh, seven years later, I was a $30 million company and one of the largest builder developers down there. I started 12 other companies along the way, mostly construction industry related during that seven year period, started getting into real estate development and investing and, you know, kind of learned that way from other developers and investors that were coming down to the Outer Banks and buying properties and doing stuff. You know, I was working with them and for them and uh, learning through them. And, you know, one of the people that taught me early on who also took advantage of me was a real estate developer out of Northern Virginia. And I learned a lot from that experience and, and just kind of took it from there and just grew and scaled. And, you know, what I learned early on, I was very fortunate. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That book, you know, a lot of people get real estate out of that book. What I got out of it was build businesses that generate cash flow to invest in other assets. So that's what I did. And I just started, you know, I built my company up, built these other companies and they all produce cash flow. And I just reinvested in other assets. So I never needed investors or had investors. I just used my cash from the businesses to invest and grow and scale and grew and grew and grew from there. So, you know, that, that's how I did it. And, you know, it's been a 30 year path. You know, I worked, you know, got out of high school in 85. When the Navy got out of that 89. So from 89 to 97, I was in the military corporate world, you know, and had some side businesses, but it wasn't until 97 that I stepped out on my own full time and been self-employed ever since. So I just built it up, learned it all the hard way for the last 23 years. And I've done a number of different things, pretty much every type of real estate, every class. The bulk of it was residential, but I did do a lot of commercial and multifamily mixed use along the way and it's been a lot of fun. So I've got a very diverse background. I've got a lot of different experiences uh, with all the different asset classes and types of real estate and just different different techniques and strategies. And, and then of course, all the different businesses. And the one thing I learned is the fundamentals are all the same. Number one, you got to educate yourself. You got to constantly pour into yourself. You've got to, every single day, you've got to do something to better yourself personally, professionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, all that. Every single day, you got to do something. Even if it's five minutes, you got to do something. So, you know, I've been on that path. I've stayed on that path of self-development, professional education my entire career. I've poured into myself. I'm not formally educated, didn't go to college, but I am very self educated and I still to this day continue to do it. I've learned a ton of good lessons, hard lessons along the way. So now I'm ready to pass it on and moving forward in my next stage of life, you know, I do fewer bigger deals, get involved in equity capital with other companies, I get involved in real estate deals, 
I coach and mentor people that are trying to get to the next level and do what I've done. And then some, my goal is for people is to help people do way more than I've done because with somebody like me, you can, you know, the experience and the, the expertise that I've gained over the years, I didn't have anybody like that speaking into me. So with the technology and with information and with experience and, you know, just the whole coaching mentorship thing nowadays, you know, you can get there so much faster now than it, than you could back when I was coming up and, you know, everything was offline, but, uh, you know, back to business, the fundamentals of business are all the same. It's all about the numbers. It's all about leadership. It's all about developing yourself and your team, being efficient and uh, watching your KPIs. It doesn't matter what business you're in. It's all the same. It's really interesting. It's been, an, it's been a great career, a lot of different experiences. So now I'm on a mission to help others, which is what I've done my entire career. I've been a coach and a mentor in all my different businesses and projects. And that's what I love to do is, is help people develop people, build build businesses and, and uh, generate and create opportunities. Okay. Well, first thing that comes to mind is, holy mackerel, you've done a lot of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a long time. You know, it's, it's 30 years, you know, so it's 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 not overnight. Wow, there's just a lot in there. So we, we won't be able to unpack all these areas, but uh, that, that picture you just painted is pretty remarkable. The word hustle keeps coming to my head and you seem to have a contagious energy. So I can imagine the people that you help get amazing value right away. So the first time we talked on the phone and we were on for quite a bit, getting to know each other a little. I realized through our discussions that you had this really diverse background. One key takeaway that I got was that no matter what I said to you, you, you seem to have an understanding and then and then some beyond. So every area wasn't like, oh, what do you mean by that? Or what does that term mean? It was anything I even indicated uh, sort of knowledge in an area. I could readily, it was readily apparent that you had a depth behind it. And um, that's a, a rare set of knowledge built on these 30 years of hustle, 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 energy and hard work. I'm really glad I got connected with you, Greg. Yeah, same here. And, it, you know, the depth comes from doing, right? So knowledge is great and you can learn a lot and you can gain a lot of knowledge, but the depth comes from doing. So that's what's interesting is I've just done so many different things. You know, just I like to stay busy. I like to take action. I like to make things happen. You know, I'm the guy that if you come to me with an idea, I'm like, all right, let's go. We're doing it. It's not when do you want, what do you, it's like, we're doing it and we go do it. It, it, That's where it comes from. And it just comes from doing, and there's just no replacement for that. I mean, great teachers can teach and educators can educate. You can educate yourself, but until you actually take action and do it, you just, you can't get to that level of depth of the understanding of all of the metrics. And, you know, to qualify what you're saying, it's, you know, we were talking about business, real estate, those things. And, and yeah, it's, you know, I've done restaurants, retail. Um, I had a gymnastics trampoline cheerleading school, you know, plumbing company, electrical company, storm shutter company. I mean, I've owned a ton of different businesses. I've helped a ton of different other people in different businesses, software companies, you know, advertising companies. I mean, it's just, again, across the board, the fundamentals are the same, but the the language, the nuances and the, you know, the techniques might be a little bit different and the tricks of the trade. But yeah, that's where the depth comes from. Depth comes from doing. Amen. I love it. (laughs) That's, uh, that's great. I I really uh, wish I could take the snippet of six minutes and like make it a mandatory listening to every incoming college student in America. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to just sit around partying for four years, uh, or you can in college, and think that, oh, because I get out on the other side and I got a certificate, that suddenly the world is my, my oyster. Yeah. And, you know, I think more and more people are aware of that and are realizing that I get, you know, so I'm in Charlottesville, you know, we have the University of Virginia, you know, uh, one of the top schools in the country, national basketball champs. Uh, but then um, we also have the Darden School of Business, which is one of the top business schools in the country. And we get a lot of military. So we have a JAG school here. The Navy is one of the largest clients of Darden. So the Navy sends a lot of people through the Darden schools for MBAs. And, you know, so it's really interesting. I get a lot of 
people. So I'm known in the community as a, as a, a mentor and like that. So I get a lot of people in the community that will send people to me that are, you know, considering graduate school or in college and trying to figure out what they're going to do, or they're coming out of graduate school and saying, hey, what do I do now? You know, I always spend a few minutes with them talking to them. And the biggest thing I tell all of them, if you're considering, so I'm a big proponent of education. So it's not what it used to be. It's not worth what it used to be, depending on what field you're going into. But it's important to have it. It's important to get it and do it. You know, just, I mean, having a well-rounded education, even though I didn't go, I'm I'm self-educated. I believe in education. I'm not a good student in the classical sense, but I'm a great student of personal professional development, business, you know, the things that I'm interested in, the things that speak to me. And I'm an auditory learner. So I'm not somebody that learns well, just sitting and listening to a lecture. You know, I've got to do, I learn by doing. And that, again, the depth comes from doing for me, you know, you learn by doing, you know, and you just, you just don't know what you don't know until you get into the trenches and, and you experience it. You know, it's just different. And that's where the momentum comes from. But that's what I tell people, hey, look, get your education. If you can go to a business school, a graduate school, you know, a Stanford, to Harvard, a Darden, something like that, you know, Cornell, go, go and get the education. But more importantly, it's the network that, that you get tapped into. And it's just that little tick on your resume, you know, that, that if you're going into the corporate world, that makes a huge difference. But think big term, think big picture, think long term and always develop yourself, continue to pour in yourself, go beyond. So it's kind of like martial arts. I was in martial arts my whole life as well. Education, even to the graduate level, even to the PhD level, all of that does all, all that serves to do, number one, is teach you how to start something and finish it. Number two, it teaches you critical thinking skills, and analytical skills. But number three, it prepares you. So what a lot of people forget and a lot of people let go of, the difference between good and great a lot of times is that continuing development of yourself personally and professionally and being a lifelong learner and understanding all you know is what you know. No matter how much you know, there's so much more out there you don't know and you don't know what you don't know. So once you understand that and realize that, you realize that once you get that MBA, once you get that PhD, now you're ready. That's everything is there just to prepare you for the next stage to start learning. And as you go along in the years, you know how it is, your 20s or you think you know it all, then your 30s, you realize there's a lot to learn. In your 40s, you realize, man, I didn't really know anything. And in your 50s, you're like, dang, <laughs> you know, and then so as you get older, you know, it's just more. Yeah, it's just more layers and levels of realization of, man, what I, I did not I didn't know a thing. I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's really cool. And martial arts is the same way. A lot of people get into martial arts. Their goal is a black belt. You know, I'm going to get my black belt and then I'm done. Well, once you get there, you realize the whole purpose and point of getting your black belt is to be prepared to now you're a beginner. Now you begin. Once you've reached that level, you're ready to begin. And a lot of people don't understand that and realize it till they get there. And then they're like, wow. You know, now I'm ready that, you know, that that's a great point. And, um, you know, the world is changing. Education is changing more and more platforms are online. I'm getting ready to start developing some courses that people have been asking me for. So that's my next stage, you know, some development, uh, real estate development courses and real estate, you know, training, business training, things like that, sales training. So I'm going to start putting together some courses that that are a culmination of my entire career. Everything I've learned, know, read, taught, listened to, experienced and did and put that in a format that's very if you watch some of my content, you can see I'm very rubber meets the road, very practical. I don't spend 20 minutes on fluff and this and that. It's like, you do this, 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 and this, and here's your dip that, you know, it's very, you know, very strategic, streamlined, simple, and you can go out today and put it to work and make it happen and, and use it. So that's kind of how I'm wired. I'm very practical, very direct, as you know, I get right to the point and, you know, here's what you got to do. Then that's what you do next. And then go here and do that. And then boom, you're off to the races. Copy. So I look forward to that content and those opportunities rolling out. I think it will be a, a wealth of information for anybody that taps into that and anybody that listens to you. Like I said, you've got a contagious energy, especially, I mean, it's not that early, but it's, you know, 
a little after nine in the morning here, but uh, you sound like you got the energy of a 25-year-old for sure, but <laughs> I, I, I love it. <laughs> I think Earth, I love man. It. I sound wired. I love it. You know, I just, <laughs> I've always been that way. I have passion, and I like to do things. I like to stay busy. I'm a big thinker. It just keeps me going. You know, I just have this fire inside of me, and I, you know, I'm in bed at night every t- at the same time every night. I'm up every day at the same time, 6 a.m., and I just, just what I love to do. I'm just, you know, I'm a positive-minded, big thinker. We solve problems. We make things happen. We get things done kind of guy. And that's just how I'm wired. Yeah, no, that's, that's apparent. So what I'm going to do with our, our remaining time here, Greg, is I'm going to, I'm going to vector you in on our little world. Mostly, you know, I'm relatively new uh, podcast here uh, for military veterans and military members, mostly new investors. So I'm going to hit you with a, a short string of questions and uh, pick your brain down in these areas. But first I wanted to get from you, if you could just pick one early warning signal for people that involved in real estate, get super excited, and then get ready to uh, run out there and, and spend their hard-earned dollar. What might you put up as one of your top lessons learned, or maybe a few top lessons learned for people beginning in real estate specifically? You know, don't feel like you have to do a deal or you're going to miss out, you know, or, or that this is a deal of a lifetime. And, a, you know, there's every day that there's a deal of a lifetime. Every day there's a slam dunk. I mean, there's deals out there in every market every day, you know, all, all along. So, Never put yourself in a position where you feel like you have to do a deal or you're going to miss out and you compromise your return thresholds and, you know, take risk unnecessarily that you should not put your savings at risk. You know, the career military people work a long, hard, you know, it's a long term to put away retirement, put away cash flow to invest. And you want to protect that. You want to make sure you make the best use of it. So educate yourself, know what you're doing and don't feel like you have to do a deal just to get in the game. A lot of people get in that mode. You know what? I need to start sooner or later, so I'm just going to do it. I don't care how it works out. Don't do not do that. There's no reason to do that. If you do your homework, if you know what you're doing, you can do a deal that's right, that works, but be willing to walk away. Perfect. Zero balance is better than negative balance, right? Yeah, man. I can go fishing and not lose any money, right? So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know, uh, Greg, you're an opportunistic developer, self, self-described. One of the questions I like to ask guests is, at least in my mind, I think of real estate investing as is generally one of these areas or one or more or all in terms of investing for opportunity or geography specific or asset class or some type of niche. And I wonder if you can uh, describe how you got along your path or how you how you think about it, like if you're advising children or coaching people on how to go after uh, real estate to, to select their, their area of focus. Yeah. So focus is hundred percent of the game. And if you hear somebody like me, you can think, man, you know, gosh, all these things, but that's kind of how I'm wired. I can focus on a lot of different things at one time. So it sounds like it's a lot of different stuff, but it's very focused and it's very, you know, I mean, laser focused on what I'm doing, but I do it through others. So it's not like I spent time in all these businesses physically or all of my deals physically. I have teams and I coach them and I lead them kind of like the captain of a ship, right? He's not he knows every division and what's going on, but he's got, you know, he's got his officers that he, he directs and he, you know, uh, commands and works through them. So it's, it's kind of the same way or, you know, the commander of a base or whatever. So I can do a lot of different things at one time because I have great teams out there. But for me, I was geographically limited, which I am. I love my market from D.C. you got the federal government, very insulated. Charlottesville, you've got the university, and we've got a strong healthcare system, growing market, fairly insulated. Richmond, Virginia, you have the state government. 
you know, again, very insulated in the Hampton Roads area, Virginia Beach, Norfolk, those areas, you have the military, strong military, very well insulated, you know, against economic events. And then, you know, I was just on the Outer Banks of North Carolina. It's a vacation destination, long history of insulation against the economy. Even in 2009 or 10, people still came down, rented those houses. You know, they're turnkey rental properties, you know, and they're very inexpensive, affordable rental uh, properties that people can drive to. People love the Outer Banks, so very insulated market. So from a geographic standpoint, if you're going to limit yourself geographically, you have to widen your asset class, your asset type, base, and class uh, if you're going to be geographically limited, uh, just so you have more opportunities. And if you can, if you're wired that way and you can handle it and your strategies, right? So if you're going to have a small area that you're going to focus, which is I do recommend starting home, starting local, if you've got you know some opportunity, if you live in the middle of nowhere, well, you have to go outside of that. But if you've got opportunity, focus on something just to get started, stay in your area, know your market intimately, and you know focus on an asset type and class to start with, whatever that is. And then grow from there, you know, and, and for me, I started with rental houses, little beach rental houses, you know, because that's what was in my market. And I knew that market inside and out, you know, all the way down. I mean, just anything, you know, intimately to a very detailed level of every street, every corner, every lot, you know, I just knew it. And I took it from there. And as and I took that level of, of knowledge out as I went along. And then I started developing relationship up and down the East Coast and all that. So so that's one thing. Now, if you want to focus on a asset class, just one asset type and class, let's say multifamily, well, then you got to broaden your geography, you know, because you, you're not going to have necessarily, depending on where you are, enough opportunity for certain types. If you want to do 200 units class B and C value add in major markets, well, you got to go out and you got to broaden your, your geography and you got to go nationwide. Or you got to pick a few markets. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying go all across the country. I said, if you're going to start with that, start with a few core markets, you know, maybe two or three, four, study those, know those, and more importantly, start with one. Study that, know that, find a deal in that market, then go from there. That's kind of how that works. If you're limited geographically, you've got to broaden your range of asset type, class, and strategy. If you're asset focused, then you got to broaden your geography in order to scale. Okay, great. Thanks for walking us through that. I got two to three answers out of, the, out of that same one getting a seminar here, and I appreciate it. So I'm not going to do a, a lot of talking other than tell you that one thing you confirmed for me earlier is that I wasn't crazy when I was a six or seven year old walking around my trailer park, knocking on doors, asking if there was any work I could do. <laughs> nah, man, that's where it starts. I don't see as many kids doing that kind of stuff these days, but I remember begging my father as an eight-year-old to let me take the lawnmower over <laughs> and cut yeah. someone else's grass for money. Well, I did the same thing. Then my dad taught me business. I had to pay for the gas and the oil and, and clean it when I was done. And, <laughs> and I didn't get paid to cut my own grass. So I had to pay, I had to pay for the equipment I was using. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Those lessons are, 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 are valuable. And I'm probably failed my own two sons in that way. I should have uh, made them pay for more stuff and then made them do it. But <laughs> they're both good men now anyway. I, I wanted to ask you if you don't mind, you've done so many deals across so many diverse things. Would you mind maybe uh, walking us through rough numbers on any previous deal to give our listeners an idea of like what, what a good ROI looked like for you either in the past yeah. or now? You know, it's interesting. I owned three houses before I ever started investing in real estate. So I, I just didn't even know that was a thing before I got into real estate investing. Started a building company, you know, doing remodeling and all that. It wasn't until I started working for some investors that I kind of realized, wow, this is a thing. Because you didn't have the flip this house show. You didn't have all that going on back then. This is 19, you know, 97, 98, right? You didn't have the internet. You didn't even really have computers hardly. I mean, as before all that. So I, I just didn't know what I didn't know. You know, uh, I started reading some books, you know, Robert Kiyosaki and, you know, Carlton Sheets was around. Russ Whitney was 
was around, or, you know, Ron Legrand was around. So I started learning more about real estate investing and learning. But the first deal I did was a friend and I didn't have any money. So I started from nothing with nothing. So I got out of the Navy after four years. I worked you know, eight and $10 an hour jobs in construction and restaurants until I got into management. I made 50 grand a year as a restaurant manager, you know, back in, you know, the eighties and early nineties. So I wasn't making any money. My, my wife was a teacher, you know, so together we had no money. We were barely getting by. We had two kids. For me, the world of getting into real estate just wasn't even a possibility. Everything we had was tied up in our house. And that was our mindset, you know, cause my dad did that, buy a house, sell it, take that, buy another one bigger, sell it, take that. And back then the mantra was buy as much house as you can. Every, you know, max out every nickel you you make to buy as much house as you can. That was the whole mindset when I was coming up. So anyways, as I started getting into the business, watching other people do stuff and learning, I had a friend of mine who's a realtor and he came to me and he said, Hey, there's this lot that we can buy, vacant lot for a hundred thousand. And my dad's got somebody that'll pay 130 for it. And I'm like, you can do that. He's like, yeah. He said, you put up the money. I'll do everything else. We'll split the profits. I'm like, Okay. So I buy the land. He takes care of everything else. We sell it 30 days later and we put 15 grand a piece in the bank. And I was like, holy cow, I didn't know you could do that. I'm like, is this legal? I mean, is this really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was my first flip, my first deal that really opened my eyes to what was possible. And then there was other builders, you know, around me and I didn't know what a spec house was. I had no clue. Even though one of the houses I bought was a, you know, subdivision spec home. I just didn't even know that was like a thing, right? And just, or possible for somebody like me. Um, I partnered up with a developer that, like I said, he took a lot of advantage. He took advantage of me and I lost a lot of money with him, but I still made money and I learned a tons of valuable lessons. So I started building spec houses and spec houses are you're building a construction house on speculation that you're going to sell it. That's all it is. So you find a piece of land, you you buy it, you build a house and you sell it. So that's what a spec house is. So that's how I started. And I started doing those. And I learned from this guy who was a developer in Northern Virginia. You know, we did some projects together. And so I learned a ton through there and I started doing those and, and just kind of scaled from there. So that's how I got started. But the probably the the best deal that stands out for me was a, uh, I would buy oceanfront hotels, tear them down and redevelop them. And there was this guy that had a hotel that was um, destroyed by Hurricane Isabel that hit the Outer Banks. It was the worst hurricane ever hit the Outer Banks. It was an oceanfront hotel next to a fishing pier. And he came to me and said, hey, I want to redevelop this hotel. And I, I looked at the property. It was a smaller property. And all you could do was tear it down and build single family homes because of the setbacks and restrictions and all that. And he said, well, somebody's telling me I can do condos and carve them up and sell them, make all this money. And, I'm, you know, he had this, somebody sold him this vision of something that was not possible. And this guy turned out to be kind of a shady dude and took advantage of this guy. And I said, look, you can't do that. Don't go down that road. You got, you know, houses are the highest and best use. And he chose to go down the path with the other guy. They, they, were tied up for two years, you know, ended up in a lawsuit with each other, lost a couple hundred grand. I mean, it was just a mess because they couldn't do what I told him he couldn't do. Just out of the blue, I'd moved offices and this was two, three years down the road. He walks into my office out of the blue and says, okay, I'm ready to do your deal now. This didn't work. You were right. You couldn't do it. I want to do your deal. I said, okay. So we did a joint venture agreement. He owned the land. It was an oceanfront parcel, four lots. And then there was a piece across the street that had two lots. Uh, he he was going to throw in, our deal was, he was going to throw in the land and I was going to go get the money to build and I was going to do everything. I was going to redevelop the property, build the houses, get them sold. We, we pay off you know the land for him, his basis, and then we split the profit. So that was our deal. And we embark on that path. This was 2007-8, yeah, you know, just before everything started falling apart. Things were getting funny in the market. So we're under contract. I'm working on the loans. I'm getting ready to borrow all this money to build all these houses. And all of a sudden, I just I get this feeling. I'm talking to a friend of mine. And he's like, dude, why don't you just sell the lots, clear out your basis, basis in the oceanfront land, pocket a little bit of money, and then develop property across the street. So I'm like, you know, you'll be free and clear in 
that. And then, you know, you can develop those and do whatever you want, townhouses, whatever. And I'm like, you know, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that. We, we ended up finding a buyer, sold the property. So at this point, all I've got is a joint venture agreement. I got no money out of pocket. I get the buyer, bring the buyer in. We sell the property, pay off all the loans on the property, pocket about $300,000. And then we own the land free and clear across the street. You know, we were going to develop that into the townhouses. And my partner in the deal was not a very, you know, moral individual. After that deal went down, you know, we had a JV agreement. It was his land. I had no money in it. You know, I ended up making 300 something thousand off of that little flip in 30 days that he came to me. But I had to tear the hotel down. I had to find the buyer. I had to create the value, all that, right? Um, without me, he would have done nothing. And, and by the way, I settled his lawsuit with the other guy and paid half of that out of my share and all that. Still made 350 grand. So I'm a very fair individual. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for all that, He'd still be tied up in that thing in this big lawsuit. So I get all that done. Mm -hmm. And he comes to me and he says, you know what? Uh, I could, a realtor could have done that for me for a commission. You made enough money. I'm not doing the rest of the deal with you. And I said, you know, look, I said, I'll tell you what, if that's how you feel and you feel like there's no value here, you know, I explained the whole thing, everything I did. He, he still, you know, his friends were giving him a hard time and he had seller's remorse and I made too much money. And uh, I said, okay, I'll tell you what, you feel that way. No problem. Just pay me my half of what, what's owed over here and you go on to the rest of it yourself. He said, well, I'm not paying you anything else. He said, you, you made too much money already. I said, well, we have a contract, we have a deal. I said, you know, I'm, I'm half owner of that property with you. you. You need to pay me out if you want me to walk away. And he said, he wasn't going to do it. And he said, sue me. And I said, okay. So I sued him <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> You know, specific performance because he was, you know, trying to yank the deal out from under my my feet. We settled for 30 days later, 45 days later. And he, like I said, I'm still very fair. I said, like, just pay me my equity, uh, half of the property. And, you know, I could have gotten much more. But I said, like, just pay what I've got in it and I'll walk away. So anyways, he paid me that. Ended up making overall at the end of the day almost 450000 on the whole thing from a joint venture contract with no money out of my pocket. So that was the biggest wholesale flip I'd ever done in my career. And it was it was it was pretty cool. Wow. Not not a recommended path for any of you new listeners, though, that's <laughs> 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 uh, that's quite a story, but it is interesting. Now, I uh, yeah, that's that's an eye opener. But uh, it's it's interesting to watch your mindset and how you got to that place, starting with that vacant lot and then the spec home, and then the way opportunities arise by putting yourself out there and uh, being part of the the game and the fight, if you will. And taking action, you know, again, you, you, by doing, you know, so I had another deal. So another oceanfront hotel that launched my career in my building company, my next door neighbor that uh, he owned some hotels and Dairy Queens down there, bought a lot from him to build a house on for to live on, you know, live year round. During that process, he and three other guys had a hotel under contract that they were going to, you know, tear down and redevelop. And he said, you know what, we're getting cold feet. We don't want to do the deal. Uh, do you want this deal? And it was three oceanfront lots. And, you know, I think they were 400,000 is what he was going to sell the whole project to me for. And they were probably worth five fifty. Well, well, I mean, at the time they were worth that, you know, you had to do something to create more value. I'd never done anything like that before. I just built a few spec houses. My other partnership was over through all that. I was just beginning my career and I wanted to get into the multi-million dollar oceanfront house building game. And this was the first hotel deal I did. So here it is, my next door neighbor. We're talking about buying a piece of land next to him in a year-round neighborhood. And he says, hey, by the way, I have this oceanfront parcel, bigger than anything I'd ever done. Didn't know how I was going to get the money. Didn't know how I was going to get it done. He said, give me 10 grand and it's yours. The contract yours. I said, okay. So I just trusted him. I gave him, went to his attorney, gave him 10 grand. I had the contract and here I am with this contract to purchase a hotel for 1.2 million. I didn't have 1.2 million. I was in the early stages of my building career. I'd just gotten my taken advantage of by this other developer, but I did know I'm going to make this happen. 
I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to make it happen. My realtor friend, you know, who we did the lot flip with, he was still my realtor at the time. I didn't have my license yet. I brought the deal to him. I said, look, let's get this thing done. So he had investors and buyers. Here's the cool thing. If you have a faith out there, if you're listening, you know, God works in mysterious ways, right? So he was going through the worst time of his life. He had a flower business that was struggling. He was about ready to file bankruptcy. He had this debt. wasn't much, but you know, enough. This deal, when it came along and closed, the commission paid off all his debts. He was able to sell the flower shop and launch his real estate, full-time real estate brokerage. And it launched him to becoming one of the top agents in the area. It launched me to becoming one of the top builders in the area because I ended up buying those lots, flipped them to his client, made a hundred something thousand dollars on the land. And I built three multi-million dollar oceanfront houses. The first three houses, the largest houses ever built in Nags Head, they're still there. They were 5,000 square foot uh, or 6,500 square foot, 12 bedroom houses. And they do like, I mean, things are crazy. They do $350,000, $400,000 a year in rent, like little hotels each. So that launched me, that put me on the map and I became the oceanfront guy. And that was what launched me to becoming one of the largest builder developers. But it all went back to that one minute, that one split second, right? You're only, you know, it's the interesting thing is a lot of us that, you know, my career could have been totally different if I would have been scared and said, "Ah, you know, I'm not going to do this. I can't do this. You know what? If I would have not done that deal, if I would have not taken that contract, put up the $10,000 and figured out a way to make that happen and taken that risk. And it was scary. I didn't know what I was doing as much. I mean, I, I knew how to build. I knew what I was doing at that point. But that one situation, at one point in time, that's where it all kind of stemmed from right there. You know, the big stuff. Wow. And yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting how one decision can affect your life, you know, good or bad. You know, yeah, in, yeah, in, it's amazing. either way. Thanks for sharing that that deal with us as well. Fascinating stories. Uh, a few of them you got here. I'm wondering, uh, Greg, if you maybe have some advice for new investors who have little money or maybe... Uh, poor credit. I run across a spectrum of people. Most most people that I'm running into that are sort of part of my growing little clan and my circle of friends, I guess, if you will. Sometimes they're like, maybe I want to put twenty thousand into something, or maybe I want a, a house hack if they're younger younger folks, or maybe they're like, I've got fifty thousand, I want to put into something. Once people start asking me things like that, then I really step back. So I continue to try to learn from guys like yourself and advice that you have for people sort of in that area of getting started. Anywhere from, say, zero to 50,000. Yeah. You know, with you, and you're talking mostly specifically military people, right? So, you know, the VA the VA loan program is huge. You can take advantage of that. And I'm sure, you know, hopefully you, you understand that and help people with that. You know, you get into properties with no money down on the VA loan program and, and really, you know, utilize those resources and take advantage of that. But what I tell everybody, regardless of military or not, with limited resources, the best thing to do is focus on something that generates cash flow so that you can invest. So, you know, if you're only working with 20 or 50 grand and, and you're only making, you know, whatever, you know, 50, 70, 100 grand a year, you know, hang on to that. You need a cushion. It's going to be a long road to buy a single family home and put everything you've got into it for a couple hundred bucks a month in cash flow and or even three or $500 a month in cash flow or townhouse or a condo because one bad tenant, one bad thing, it's going to wipe it all out. And the tenant laws are changing all across the country. It's becoming a very tenant friendly country where a tenant can tie you up and cost you a lot of money and there's nothing you can do. In fact, a lot of states now you have to pay to relocate them if you're evicting them. Even if they don't pay you, <laughs> you can evict them. It's going to take you six months and you got to pay their relocation fees. I mean, it's ridiculous. So you got to be real careful how you start and what you get into. So what I tell people is, look, learn, number one, learn the business, you know, learn real estate, learn everything you can about it, immerse yourself in it, get intimately familiar and knowledgeable about the language, the market, the terminology, the asset types of classes, 
all of that. Start small, start local, start with residential and wholesale. You know, learn how to find undervalued properties, negotiate with sellers to get a deal because you can wholesale, as you heard in my story, land, you can do it with houses, you can do it with commercial buildings, and you can make some big tickets. So I tell people, if you want to start with real estate, and wholesaling is not investing. Wholesaling is like, it's transactional. It's like being an agent without a license. You know, you're selling contracts. You're not selling real estate. You're not investing in real estate. You're flipping contract. Nothing wrong with it, but that's not investing. Just understand it's a transactional business. It's a chunker strategy. So you can do a couple of things. You can buy renovate and sell and make bigger chunks. If you're you know, comfortable with that, that's a great way to go because you can make 20, 50, $100,000 in a pop. I wouldn't flip a house for 20 grand to see 40, 50 or more to flip a house, but you can wholesale and make you know, 10, 15, $20,000. Meaning you put a property under contract. Uh, wholesaling is finding a property directly from the seller. You negotiate a, a purchase price and then you take that contract and you assign that contract to a cash buyer. And then they pay you a fee. The cash buyer pays you a fee for that contract. So that's a great strategy to get started in the game, to understand real estate, understand how to negotiate, understand how to value deals, find deals, create opportunity to build cash so then you can invest in bigger assets. So if you want to build cash flow generating properties, you need commercial and multifamily. You need big properties. It's going to be a long road and very difficult with single family. And everybody I know who's done single family at scale, meaning 100 to 300 you know, single family homes, it's an appreciation play. And they all started 20 years ago. And they all want out. Now, because they're not making any money, there's no cash flow. It's all eaten up, you know, unless you can just buy hundreds of, you know, 50,000, 20, 50, 20 to $50,000 houses. You know, the money in that play is on the back end in terms of appreciation. So there's a great strategy where you can find 20 to $50,000 houses starting out, owner finance them to an end buyer instead of renting. That's how you make money on single family homes, you know, but it's a business and you got to you know, take care of it and watch it. So that's a great strategy. And also if you have no money, there's a strategy out there uh, of, you know, lease options where you can find a seller, you know, who's willing to lease the house to you with an option to buy it. And let's say you take a five-year period and I'll just simplify this and you turn around and you rent to own that house to an end buyer and you collect a down payment from them, depending on the price point of the house, could be five, ten, could be fifty thousand dollars, depending on the price point. And let's say the owner leased the house to you for a thousand. Well, you turn around, you rent to own to them for fifteen hundred, and then you're buying it for you know two hundred thousand, selling it to them at the end of the three-year rent to own period for 225,000. So you've made a down payment, you're making cash flow along the way for the three-year period that they're getting in a position to buy the house. And then you make a chunk when they ultimately execute on their rent to own at the back end. So that's a whole strategy, lease, purchase, and then rent to own. You know, that that's how somebody can get started with no money or very little money. But again, it's a business, you know, so you have to have the time, you know, to be able to manage that whole process. Same thing with doing buying houses yourself and then owner financing them out on the back end to an end buyer long term. You know, that's a strategy where you could take that 20, 30, 50,000 and uh, or you get investors, you know, to pay for those houses. And then you find owner finance tenants on the back end and you owner finance them over 30 years and they pay for all the repairs. You don't fix them up. And that's a whole nother strategy as well. So there's a couple of different ways you can get started with no money, no credit, but wholesaling and flipping are, are some of the best ways. Thanks for touching on those other ones as well. Lease options are a great strategy, especially when the market changes. We're at a peak right now. So when it gets to the point that you know people can't sell and they've got too much equity or they owe too much money on their houses, that's where that is a really great strategy. Um, yeah, that makes sense to me as well. The uh, wholesaling, yeah, I think a lot of people misunderstand wholesaling. I think there's a whole plenty, there's, there's all kinds of material out there about it, but I do think that people need to understand 
an area deeply that they're looking at for wholesaling and know that what they're up against in terms of the, the amount of competition of people who are paying thousands for direct marketing and other strategies. So it's a hustle. Yeah, it's a hustle and a grind. And the key to that business is you start almost every business, you start with the end in mind and you reverse engineer it. So that business, you find the cash buyers first, you find the investors and the investors are the guys that want to do rent to own lease option strategies, the buyers for those. You have people that want to rent. So you have rent buyers that are looking for long-term rentals. Then you have the flippers. So those are your three buyers that you want to get to know in your market, find out what they're looking for and where. So two things happens. Number one, you meet these people and you understand what they're looking for. But two, they're going to educate you on what they do in the market. You'll learn a ton by talking to the buyers first. So that's where you start. You get to know some buyers. You go to real estate meetups, real estate groups, on Facebook, MLS. You can talk to agents. They know who's flipping properties. You can go to title companies, closing attorneys, find out who the cash buyers are, go to auctions. And then you can research, you know, the property transfer database on, on local city, towns, and counties. So that's that's how you find these people. And you want people that are doing multiple deals, not just one cash buyer. You know, you want somebody who's doing a lot of deals, 10, 15, 20 a year. And then go talk to them, meet them, learn from them, find out what they want, where they want, where they buy, who they buy from, what does their you know, ideal house look like, what does their ideal client, you know, seller look like. You can learn a ton about real estate and these strategies from those people. Agree. Two other strategies that come to mind talking about ways to get started. One, I've listened to this uh, gentleman, Rock Thomas, you, you may know him, Airbnb like from leases instead of owning the property. So I've thought of that. My wife uh, manages Airbnb right now here in our town. We have a summer resort town, but I'm not sure how well it'd work here in our town because, you know, six months a year, it's uh, snowy and nobody comes here. But (laughs) the other six months, you know, during the summer, for sure, we're packed. The uh, idea of just leasing out a place that that you can then, you know, with the owner's permission and the contract, turn around and do short-term rentals with. So I'm sure you've seen that along your path as well. What do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a good strategy. It's all about the numbers. Like you said, you know, I have people that are doing it in resort communities down in the Outer Banks, you know, down in the Carolinas, mountain resort communities. It's a master lease. You can do the same thing with commercial. So it's very, that's where it came from. That strategy has been used for, you know, ever in the commercial world where you get a building, you get a master lease on it for 20 years, 30 years, 99 years, whatever. And you hear about these 99-year ground leases where people come and develop a building. So it's a very popular strategy in commercial real estate and some residential. And I've used it with some you know developments that I've done in the past. So so yeah, it can be a great strategy. You can do it with commercial. You can do it with uh, Airbnb. You know, commercial, you get a master lease on the building, then you go in and put tenants in there and sublease to the tenant. Uh, on Airbnb, it's all about the numbers. The question is, what can you get it for and what can you rent it for? Uh, and then there's also the the people that are buying and, and renting Airbnbs as well. That's a great strategy. And I know people that are managing them. That's a business, you know, business model like your wife does. You know, you can be a co-host and have a whole business where you manage other people's properties. Yeah. And I, I have a, um, a friend, actually a former Marine. First, uh, Tosin Davis' first interview on this podcast, and he's moved from Boston out to Colorado Springs, and he's already bought two houses out there. And Airbnb is become his his forte. Yeah, yeah, it could be a great great strategy, but you know, it's you know, it's a business that takes a lot of work. It just all depends on what you want to do. You know, somebody's got to manage it, and you know, somebody's got to deal with those. But the people that do it, you know, you can do it through your phone, computer, whatever, if that's what you want to do. Yeah, it, it can be a great strategy. A lot of work. No, I've told my wife already, I, I don't want any part of this work. <laughs> it's yeah, too much either. work for that, me. <laughs> that, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to mess with it, but you know, hey, it, a lot of people are doing it and it works for them. And you know, it's it's interesting. You got to get started somewhere. Yeah, some people love it. Yeah, so I've, I've told Tosin, just keep working on your model there. And, and then we're going to line up some... Uh, uh, private equity investors, and we'll make a syndication out of it. You you do all that work, and uh, other people can passively 
invest. And the other thing I'm doing uh, that I'll mention for listeners, and, and I'm sure you got experience, well, you started with a, a land flip. I, I'm taking a, a small pot of money and just experimenting with this land, land flipping, land wholesaling, land owner financing. Yeah. Yeah. You buy cheap land and owner finance it. Same thing with houses. You know, you do the same thing with houses, same thing with land. Mobile homes, people do it with mobile homes. I and mean, that's another strategy. You, you buy mobile homes or get them for free and then turn around and owner finance them out. You know, there's a gold guy named Lonnie Scruggs. You know, he, he's got a whole strategy and course that he did on flipping mobile homes like that, you know, owner financing. But again, you got to service it. You know, you got to service the debt. You know, you got to collect the payments, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's a business, but it could be good. I mean, I know people that are doing land at a very high level. I mean, they were sending out 10,000 pieces of mail and they would do full on contracts. So they they targeted a geographic area, you know, usually 20 miles uh, outside of the city and in the rural areas. And they would target these parcels and, you know, certain tax values, they would just send offers. They would send contracts in the mail with an earnest money deposit, copy of a check and say, hey, I want to buy your land. Here's my earnest money. Here's what I'm willing to pay. And they would either pay cash or buy it on terms. Then they would turn around and then owner finance it back out and they would hold auctions. So they would get 10, 15, 20 pieces of property, 30 pieces of property, and they would bring people together and and live and online and auction the property off to end buyers. So they were doing, I mean, there's one one of them that moved to Texas, I think he is now, or Louisiana, somewhere down there. And he's doing, I don't know, 500 of them a year. Yeah, great, great strategy. But he sends out 10,000 offers a month. That's a lot, yeah. So Greg, be- before we wrap up here, Dan, I know you mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and you've, uh, as an educator yourself, you've read tons of stuff. Do you have any other uh, favorite business or real estate books that have inspired you that you might uh, want to share? Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Power of Positive Thinking, Norman Vincent Peale, you know, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Those were the three main fundamental books that I read that's, that flipped the switch in my mind that I'm, I'm going to do this. Anything is possible. All I got to do is develop myself, want it bad enough, and go do it and build businesses that generate cash flow to invest in other assets. So that was the core of where I started. And then I was just off to the races and I read everything. I mean, I read, you know, Tony Robbins. I've got all his books and courses over the years. Everything that Rich, you know, Robert Kiyosaki did, I read all his books. You know, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, Brian Tracy. I mean, all of the all of the sales leadership motivational training. You know, I've done a ton of that. The One Minute Manager books are great for uh, leadership and management training. But that's how I've grown my businesses so fast. That's all about leadership. So I'm a leader, delegator, motivator. So I developed myself as a leader, and that's what I teach others how to do. I focus a lot on leadership, on motivation, on delegation. So I'm, I'm those are my gifts. And that's what I help people do in their businesses. So I read, you know, anything and everything I can find on leadership, motivation, delegation, not looking for a new thing, but to just, you know, you always get a little something out of everything and to broaden my horizon. I mean, I've done the same thing for the last 20, 30 years in terms of how I lead, how I delegate, how I motivate, but I'm always, you know, reading and educating and developing myself. And from a real estate standpoint, Sam Zell has a great book and anything Sam Zell, I mean, he's the pioneer of syndication. You know, he's the one that really created that industry and it's just amazing, phenomenal guy. I mean, billionaire, just hugely successful in real estate. You know, I, I love his stuff. Uh, you know, I've read Donald Trump's books, The Art of the Deal and stuff. Interesting career, fascinating, no matter what you think of him. He's had an interesting real estate career, ups and downs. You know, so a lot of the bigger, you know, players out there have books about their careers. You know, I've read Lee Iacocca, you know, Jack Welch, you know, business icons, Warren Buffett, of course, read his stuff, Bill Gates, you know, Jeff Bezos, um, Zappos. You know, I study great companies and great leaders of those companies and what they do, as well as, you know, all the like Seth Godin, Jim Collins, you know, I read their stuff, you, you know, Good to Great, you know, is, is an outstanding book. Uh, Ray Dalio just came out with a book called Principles, which is really good. And I just read one called 
Positivity by Harry Edelson, which is a great book. And Harry, Harry is uh, at one time one of the most quoted guys on Wall Street, venture capitalist. He's created uh, 12 unicorns and he's working on his 13th. And a unicorn is a company that you get involved with that ends up either being sold or valued at a billion dollars. So not an easy feat, even in today's world. You know, they are unicorns. He wrote a really, really great book about, you know, how to be happy, efficient, fulfilled. You know, it's a short read, really great book, Positivity by Harry Edelson. So, I mean, I've read, I don't know, a thousand books, if not more. Back in the day, it was books on tape. Then it was the CD, you know, Walkman. And then it was the iPod, 80 gig iPod. I've never owned music after my you know early teenage years as an adult i've never bought music it's always been books on cd tapes you know educational professional personal development industry specific leadership training and even now it's podcasts it's audiobooks i mean that's what i pour into myself every minute of every day that i can so you know when you in articles stuff like that so when you add all that up i mean it's, it's probably thousands you know yeah well you mentioned uh, tons of good nuggets in there in terms of books i'm i'm going to check out this positivity one as well and your teachers who struggled to get you to do that of mice and men book report are probably surprised to listen to you today greg <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was a terrible student, horrible, you know, and now I just, I, I'm a voracious learner. Um, and I struggle with reading. You know, I'm not a great reader. I'm not fast. Um, but, you know, the audiobooks have been huge. If I can get interested in a book, I can get through it. But, you know, I find myself nodding off <laughs> you know, trying to get through a book. As long as you're not driving, that's good. That's yeah. a good thing. So, hey, thanks for taking so much time with us here today. So do you have any other last important thoughts or advice on real estate investing? Yeah. So, you know, again, it just goes back to constantly educating yourself. But more importantly than anything else, I had to actually do it. I had to take action. I had to go make it happen. I had to sign the contract. You got to make offers. You got to sign contracts. You got to just do it. You know, at some point you got to make up your mind again, not for the sake of doing, you know, you got to make sure it's still a good deal, but you got to actually do it. You got to get out there and get in the trenches and do it and make it happen. And, and you have to give back as well. So the other side we didn't talk about was all the community involvement. I've been a leader in my church community, you know, all of that along the way. You know, uh, while I did everything else, I poured into the community, I gave back, I donated time, time, money, expertise, pouring into individuals. You know, I still now consult with people and give them, you know, some time. I don't charge for that. My mentorship program is a fee-based program and the coaching that I do, but I still give time to people and answer questions and consult and things like that. And I'll give some free time here and there. I'm not going to come in and build your business for free, but you know, if you have some questions from time to time, I'll, you know, I'm happy to answer questions and respond to people. But so really it's developing yourself taking action and then giving back, you know, and that that's really the key to success and fulfillment in life is that just, just pouring into others, pouring into yourself so that you can pour into others. Thanks for that, Greg. And, and once again, thanks for spending so much time with us. And I'm looking forward to meeting you in person someday because I really can't imagine someone spending 30 minutes or more next to you in your presence and not feeding off this energy and mindset that that you carry with you well, positive energy for sure well thank you and it's vice versa you know i'm a i'm a you know i'm a seeker of wisdom and i learn from every interaction i always ask questions i always listen you know the best salespeople are the best listeners the best business people are the best listeners you know so i'm a seeker of wisdom i'm always trying to get everything i can out of every interaction and i learn from every single interaction even today i picked up some things from you today and and uh, and i appreciate the time and, and your sharing as well. You're good. Thanks a lot, Greg, and catch up with you later. All right, Jim. Thanks. I'm proud to be your host. I'm privileged to have served, and I'm grateful for all your sacrifices. Until next time. Because the flag still stands for freedom, and they can't take that away. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know. 
'Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land.